The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast. You won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels. Only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. legitimate uh, and there are sometimes where like you're not necessarily handling it like you're playing a tabletop game where you're like okay let me learn about each of these races let me figure out what i'm gonna play how do i interact with you as a player character how do i interact with this npc there are sometimes we're watching films you're just like all right that green dude that blue dude and this other guy are totally all friends and this is fine i don't even need to know what they are let's roll <laughs> why can't that just be how that we how we exist in the world now like it would be so much easier if just a, a red guy a blue guy and a green guy just get together and was like so wait, you're a big fan of the Pixies. I'm a big fan of the Pixies. That's <laughs> fucking fantastic. Which, because I assume all alien races understand the absolute dominance of like fucking pure brilliance that the Pixies are. That's fair. But I do still feel like the answer is because white people fucked it up. That's probably true. <laughs> when, they, when they started playing the Pixies at Applebee's is when it started going downhill. Oh, God, that actually i think i have a heartburn now from you yeah, saying that uh, well that's the perfect time to kind of lean into what we're actually <laughs> talking about tonight we are talking about uh, sci-fi we are talking about the future of humanity we are talking about the 2000 animated cult classic titan ae on this episode of smack my pitch up this is episode 11 and we are breaking it down this is a movie that i was a huge fan of back in 2000 when it came out and and several, and for years afterwards it's because you're a smart man, Hoppet. Yeah, it's a great film. I think the one thing that you and I have a difference with, speaking of which, uh, sitting here with me to talk about Titan AE, <laughs> is the burlesque performer extraordinaire, entertainer, <laughs> and generally fucking amazing person, uh, Miss <laughs> Murphy Lawless is here. Hello, friends. Most of what he said is a lie, <laughs> but you can't get me off stages whether you want to or not. <laughs> so the burlesque part is a lie is what you're saying. Oh, no, I take my clothes off on stage. Okay, but, you so know, she takes her clothes off on stage. I just, I'm a little more aggressive about it. Oh, okay, gotcha. I'm going to bat my eyelashes, but I'm going to illustrate that with my words since this doesn't actually I translate. tried to find one specific scene in a movie that would properly uh, <laughs> explain the pure dominance of a situation when Lawless is in full Lawless form. <laughs> Like, never go full lawless. And when, <laughs> when she goes full lawless, it's straight up the scene from Basketball where he puts the foil in his mouth and goes... <laughs> it's like manic and insane and hilarious and well worth checking out anytime uh, that you're performing with Burlesque Right Meow, which yes. is the troupe that you perform with in Richmond, Correct. right? Yes. Um, we've got two monthly shows. Um, we actually perform at both Strange Ways locations down here in Richmond and up in uh, Fredericksburg. So we, we share a home. Hooray. We do. Yes, Yay. yes. Uh, fortunately, I think, uh, not the same night because that'd be a lot of uh, battling with each other over 
total dominance and you've got naked girls so you would super win uh, i'm super into this idea though let's touch on that later <laughs> that we show it a cheesy movie from the 80s and then there's naked girls dancing and we see who shows up for what i go feel... von hubris and i have already discussed needing to host a show as tom servo and crow and i need this I think we can talk. I think we can make something happen. I, I am super down for you said the right words in the right order in order for me to have some interest in this. So yes, we will just power. Grows. Yes, we will discuss this. Um, I'm Mike the Hobbit Bicket, host of Smack My Pitch Up. Thank you guys so much again for joining us for another episode. I'm very excited about this episode. This is the first time that we have translated an animated film into a live action uh, remake or reboot of mm -hmm. said film. So uh, this this is a film that has been close to my heart. The only thing that uh, Lawless and I have a disagreement mm -hmm. on is the fucking terrible. It's not terrible. Terrible soundtrack. No. The soundtrack is so fucking dated. No, it is. I will give it to you. It is so 90s, so 2000s, but I so much love it. I, I, I have never sung to lit like that with like such passion. No I don't one even... ever should. You know, when, when I think <laughs> fucking faster than light travel in space, I don't think I'm in over my head, my head. With a special guest performance by like Steven Tyler of Aerosmith, I think is in there at some point. I, don't, I actually don't think that he's in there because that's that's a little bit too much of a I, I might have, but I might have had like a, a, a. I love cheesy sci-fi songs. Like there's a song called Cosmic Castaway. Do you know how much I love? that in like the worst place in my heart <laughs> earlier i confessed to you to loving the movie rocking with judy jetson none of my love of this soundtrack should surprise you we were talking about musicals <laughs> and what i didn't discuss in that conversation is that i also have a deep dark secret as far as musical goes and it's a animated movie uh which is perfect for this called rockadoodle <gasps> that not many yes. people even remember existed oh, because beautiful. it got shelved real fucking quick when it bombed in the box office oh it's so good it's so good and that's such a shame rockadoodle is a masterpiece it's like an elvis rooster that decides to go to the big city to make it big as a musician and it's wonderful plus it's and it was one of those films that combined um live action and animation and merged those worlds i think it was one of the earlier ones that did it that you know wasn't one of the questionable disney films or the <laughs> masterpiece that was bed knobs and broomsticks yeah um yeah no i am totally into them battling an evil owl with the power of music <laughs> <laughs> who isn't really i mean the number of times that i've run into an evil owl and i just didn't have enough power of music in my heart to battle them it's uh, like it it it's actually like eight years of my life that I was uh, subservient to an evil owl because... Terrible. Were you a tiny cat child in that time? Yes. That is 100% <laughs> what happened. Uh, we've lost three quarters of our audience with the rock-a-doodle <laughs> conversation we just had. That's fine. This is for me. <laughs> tiny! That is what we're talking about this evening. I unabashedly love this movie part of the reason is that you know uh before i even realized that he was part of the universe that is titan ae i love joss whedon separately for firefly and buffy mm -hmm. the vampire slayer and dollhouse and everything that he's done but he also was one of the writers on titan ae as well as don bluth mm -hmm. who was known for what is it secret of nim i think is one of his other secret uh, of nim troll in central park um I want to say Five Will Goes West as well. We're back right. a dinosaur story. Yeah. Um, there's, oh gosh, like, numerous Don Bluth. Bluth is a legend of um, the 80s and 90s animation. Oh, shoot. Fern Gully was Don Bluth, wasn't I it? I think you're right. Yeah. I think uh, I've 
everything blends together for me. So if I am incorrect, please call me on it. Anything that is well animated and relatively creepy, it's probably Don Bluth from the 80s and 90s. So Yeah, and um, Dom DeLuise is another big giveaway because he he loved, right <laughs> he loves dom DeLuise. oh dom deluise is the cat in fievel oh yes, oh my is. goodness yes unfortunately dom deluise i don't think makes an appearance in in titan ae not to my knowledge but um, that's not we, to say that it didn't happen we but. do get plenty of other pretty amazing people we in do that get film, like, we do get the uh the shocking 90s step cut blonde hero the protagonist, <laughs> uh, Kale, mm-hmm. uh, as voiced by one Matt Damon, fucking in Matt true Damon. 2000 form. Mm-hmm. I think this is before the Born Identity, so he was just like, like a Kevin Smith vehicle, and maybe the the Oscar winning picture. Uh, if it was, if it's won an Oscar, I probably haven't seen it. I like to watch trash movies. <laughs> oh, it's the uh, the 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 one with Robin Williams in it. What's it called? Um, because we came here to talk about animated films, yeah. not classy pictures. Yeah. Classy films, like Titan A.E. <laughs> it is a classy And then I film. threw that curveball and asked you about <laughs> the Oscar-winning Robin Williams vehicle. That's not what I was prepared for, huh? Yeah, I've yeah, geared yeah. all of my knowledge towards this moment. And all right. Well, this. let's get back to Titan A.E. And we can get just screamed at by anybody listening. About, it's this movie! Yeah. Um, That's fine. I'll remember halfway through this podcast and shout it at you. Yeah, fair enough. 2000 was is when this movie came out mm-hmm. so that was just after i graduated high school it was probably you were you were at least in second grade at that point yeah um, i was i think exiting elementary school oh, okay yeah uh, that sounds not, not as bad better <laughs> sorry man <laughs> but both of those times were formative for both of us what is it about titan ae that really just just dropped your pants for you just like made just just dro- made your pants drop maybe that's just a dude thing i don't, I don't know you know i don't think that phrase translates necessarily for me because like what makes my pants drop is getting the fuck home and away from the world or getting on a stage because those are the two okay um yeah. but so titan ae was a world that all of a sudden i felt like i could where i was like there are humans in this world and they've been thrust into space um very unceremoniously and i feel like that's how i would get into space like i'm not going to be like and now i will train and i will do these things and i will make it to space i'm going to be thrown the fuck into space where like by the way thrust into space sounds like a ziggy (laughs) stardust porn like that's the one I'm currently working on. Yeah. Oh my God. That would, yes. It's going to be my debut. I don't know. I don't think that's true, but (laughs) I want it. 10 out of 10, what Bowie would have wanted, says Rolling Stone magazine. (laughs) (laughs) If you give me the hiccups from laughing about David Bowie porn that I'm going to star in, I will be mad. Pound town control to Major (laughs) Tom. How did she die? (laughs) Well, um,. Uh, so it's, and I, I, so I enjoy the commingling of both human and alien species and they don't necessarily explain any of the aliens, which is fine because we have this already believable world that they've set up where the humans suddenly have to go into space to escape the planet being destroyed. Sure. Um, and once there, you know, you still kind of like you, it's that branch between carrying on between like our standard dissolution lives and suddenly having the chance to do something incredible. Um, I mean, obviously, because this is a film, the incredible thing is save the human race. But 
you know, I don't necessarily think that me uh, me as a small child was like, I'm going to save the human race. I was like, I'm going to go in space and I'm going to fly through icebergs. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, right. Like That's what I was really concerned with. Whereas like, I'm going to meet an ambiguous dad figure and I'm going to learn to fly a spaceship and I'm not going to get motion sick and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> By the way, ambiguous dad figure is the name of my, they might be giants cover band. I uh, We're going to tour this summer. Uh, it's going to be great. <laughs> I'm going to be there as your uncomfortable, awkward fan, like in the corner, like giving you the thumbs up. It's like the worst groupies ever, where it's just like the side hug that you get at the end of the night. And that's about it. Yeah. Played real great tonight. Uh. It's good time. It's good time. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that. Can I, can I, can I buy you a soda sometime? There we go. Yeah. Go down to the fountain bar and uh, get get a get a soda. Oh, we could go to Virginia Beach and we I could treat you to the oxygen bar if it's still there. Oh if dear you... God, no! They, those <laughs> things started popping up in Southern California before I moved in 2000. Uh, no. Hey, look, we brought it back to the year 2000. Look at us. Look at side, that. It's amazing. It's almost around. like we planned it. So what I really liked about Titan AE mm-hmm. is there are so many sci-fi films that incorporate aliens and the human race, where the human race is something special where mm-hmm. we end up maintaining dominance. You look at, let's say Star Trek, which as much as I'm a fan of the fact that the human race becomes basically in control of the United Federation of planets. When we were one of the last groups right. of people to be involved in it, like we're something special. And what I really like about Titan AE is the honesty that humanity is a nuisance to the rest of the galaxy. They're, we they're are kind we of, we do our, think we're special though. Yeah. They're <sighs> kind of on the outs as far as population goes, mm-hmm. uh, they don't have a home planet. They they talk during the movie about these uh, these like drifter colonies mm-hmm. of humans that are just floating around on these like. If anybody's familiar with Mass Effect, uh, it, it's like one of the alien races is known for having these weird little space stations of just junk thrown together. Mm-hmm. That's what the human race is. It's these. It's it's a hobo race. <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, they in the film they literally have referred to them as uh, derogatively as drifter colony bums, um, much to the chagrin of the character trying to woo the other one when he yes. discovers that she is from a drifter colony. Oh, isn't it the worst <laughs> when you call an entire person's living and their family basically pieces of space trash? That's yeah. I hate when that happens. Oh yeah, it's, so awkward. It's the worst. So I like that the human race isn't being uh, toted. It's it's not placating the audience by saying you're special just by being a human. Right. This animated children's movie mm-hmm. is saying humankind is not special because you're a human. A humankind needs to be special for a reason. Right. And then the main characters throughout the entirety of this story try to prove it basically. Right. With showing both the, the pros and cons of humanity within the characters in this story. You know, you see the darkest um, worst in, in humankind and you see when the chips are down that some, some people in humankind will step up and 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 come through, come through. Well, uh, so I, I think, and, and and it is touched on the movie, like the reason that humanity was that the dredge attempted to destroy humanity was our potential. And I do think that that, as as our human species that our potential is something that is to be both revered and feared and so they were like mm, let's just crush this well and <laughs> that's actually where i want to kind of start with our versions mm. of this because uh human potential nowadays via 2000 i feel mm. uh, per- 
personally, I don't feel like that's enough for an alien race to destroy our planet. They would come up nowadays and be like, you guys got like five years tops. We're just going to leave you alone and let you do it on your own. That's we're going to save lasers. Right. We'll say we'll save that for somebody who's like got the shit figured out. He's not trying to murder each other still like some race uh, of people that just is about to discover warp technology and and uh, Mm -hmm. yeah. And and has a really good head on their shoulders. Let's kill that race of people. Right. Let's not, go for the honor student, not scraped by via gym class. Not not <laughs> the race talking about whether or not the dress was blue or or fucking gold. Uh let's not let's not really fuck with that race too it much. It was it was a photography trick. <laughs> Selective murder by the dredge. <laughs> so what would you change with the storyline from the animated series? Would you go kind of very faithful to uh, with just some minor changes here and there? Or would there be any major changes for you? For me, I, I personally envision sticking pretty well to that original script. Um, I'd like to see it translated. So I'm, I mean, yes, I'm enjoying the funny possibilities, but in my my deepest love for this film, I would really love to see it as a an honest live action translation, uh, with, you know, obviously as you work with actual human bodies, you start to need to change a few things. But I think that largely it is translatable with um, what we can do as far as like sets and personally in this, I don't picture CGI as much except for maybe the dredge. Um, because okay. they're a race of pure energy and that's a little hard to communicate in a puppet. Um, <laughs> but for but what you're saying, electricity and felt doesn't go together too well. I mean, you could do it, but I'm not going to be your guinea pig. <laughs> I'll stand back and record for you, though. I'm just going to like uh, spray adhesive a bunch of felt to you and just like push you out on a hill in a, in a rainstorm and see what happens. Like this is for science. <laughs> I'm a filmmaker. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> ben Franklin's later failed experiments. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's why Ben Franklin is not known for creating the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> that secret was kept in a vault only to be discovered by Nicolas Cage in the uh, unreleased National Treasure movie <laughs> when he teamed up with Jim Henson oh, to discover God. the power of Muppet. Oh, man. But to be fair, who hasn't discovered, like, revel in the power of Muppet? Like, I'm pretty sure that if you left me on a hill covered in felt, I'd look like animal, though. I kind of want to make the ep- name of this episode revel in the power of Muppet just to confuse <laughs> people when they're like, what are they doing a Muppet version? Which I 100% would. Oh, man. Can we do this like Avenue Q style with Muppets so like you can see the actor, but they're holding a Muppet of themselves and the actor is sort of reacting, but it's all just the the Muppets and puppets like doing things. I've changed my mind mid-flow. All the choices of actors <laughs> that I'm going to put forward, just imagine them in full black outfit holding a puppet version of themselves doing <laughs> this version of Titan AE um, and, and I'm sold. I am oh sold God. for days. I just realized how many different versions of this movie I would watch, and I don't know. Like, I'm both comfortable and disturbed with myself. It's like the end scene of Doctor Strange where he just goes to Dormammu, but every time it's just a different version of Titan AE, and every time you're just like, yay! <laughs> just super excited. <laughs> this is all wonderful. What if we What if we did it with the Snorks? Cool. In like, let's let's do a Snorks version. The one thing I would change as far as the storyline okay. goes is what was previously mentioned is that the dredge uh, worried about the potential of humanity. (laughs) I feel like that's not going to sell nearly as well now. So Mm -hmm. the easy sell is that uh, in developing 
space travel technologies and, and such that is utilized to send the Titan off. Right. They discovered a vibration or a frequency, something that fucks with the dredge. Like mm-hmm. it will fuck up a dredge. Um, and because of that, the human race itself is a threat to the dredge because they discovered a, a kink in their armor, I mm-hmm. guess. And so they want to destroy the human race. But the one thing that escapes is the Titan that utilizes that technology. So they are after the Titan because that's the last bit of this technology that could mm-hmm. be a threat to their entire race. That's an interesting proposal. Um, it does obviously rewrite significant portions of the story. And I think that depending on how you, you go with that could add more, if you want more action in your sci-fi, um, because at that point, like they wouldn't just be seeking out kale it would be all humanity like the drifter colonies would be huge targets because at that point any human being with the possibility to make this frequency if i was a dredge you'd be done like i'd just be like oh you could make this thing that murders all of us no thank you (laughs) i don't feel like you need to add necessarily additional action sequences Mm -hmm. for that you just kind of lean on um well speaking of one of the writers for titan ae the scenes from the serenity movie Mm -hmm. where um, they start killing everybody that is familiar with the crew of Serenity. Mm-hmm. They go to Haven, they go everywhere else and kill them off. That would be the real trick is they're looking for people with that technology. So they're killing humankind. Uh, humankind is about to be wiped off the face of the galaxy mm-hmm. at this point, which creates a much harder, a much more loudly ticking uh, time bomb for mm-hmm. them finding the uh, the Titan. They need to find it not only to give a place for humanity to um, to go to to survive, mm-hmm. but also they they need the technologies on the Titan in order to defeat the Dredge, so that mankind isn't wiped out. That's that's so the completely sta- stakes are a little higher. Okay, so a little bit more immediate versus the like look around you like slowly but surely we are dying. It's like yeah, <laughs> if we don't get to this right away, then in 60 to 80 years, all mankind will die. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that sounds like ancient Rachel's problem. (laughs) Yeah, right. So how we break this down basically is we talk about a funny and a uh, serious choice for our characters and our directors. The funny isn't necessarily a funny version so much as just a a silly approach to the property. Um, Something that would be hilarious to view um, as far as how we would approach this property and who's casted. The series is what we think might actually work. So um, the first one obviously is Kale Tucker. That's Mm -hmm. the main protagonist that is voiced by Matt Damon in the animated and has a hilariously uh, late 90s parted down the middle step mm-hmm. cut with the undercut yep like shaved hair uh he looks like he's a Super huge fan blonde. of like sugar ray and maybe a little sublime in there he probably is he's probably the reason lit is on this soundtrack <laughs> because of matt damon's right. animated avatar there's a there's a band on here called what is it karmic splashdown oh no it's just called splashdown it's splashdown. just yeah i just you just added karmic because 90s. No, it's, it's Karma Slave is their song. Oh, That's Karma why I was, I was okay. merging everything into one piece. God, but. isn't it the worst when you like get home from a long day and then you realize you're still a slave to karma? Like, it's, it's just the worst. Well, uh, The End is Over, because that's another song that's on that soundtrack, courtesy of Power Man 5000, in case you forgot that Rob Zombie has a little brother. (laughs) 
<laughs> in case you forgot that Rob Downey's little brother is like, just like most little brothers, like, oh yeah, well I'm gonna do this, and it's like fucking lame. They still let him make a song for Zoolander. He counts. <laughs> they did a cover of uh, "Relax" for the first Zoolander. Really? They did. No. Yes. I've used that song at trivia, and I didn't realize that was for Zoolander. <laughs> I've 100% used that song for trivia. Okay. Well, <laughs> we learn something new every day. I helped. Yes. You, <laughs> you helped. Helping in giant quotation marks. Uh, yeah. So do you, do you want to start with talking about um, who you would pick for uh, our young intrepid hero, uh, Kale Tucker? Well, I think just or... to kind of lay the base on how we're going to approach mm-hmm. the funny and the serious versions of this, we should talk about directors first okay. and then, then go into Kale. So. Okay. Uh, what is your funny for director? So I was actually torn between two of them. Um, and okay. I, I've got the, the same cast for each. And I think uh, obviously they're going to read in two slightly different ways. Sure. My two picks were um, Edgar Wright and John Waters. Wow. So these are vastly different. And the, I'm really the- hoping your John Waters is the serious pick. <laughs> no so um no those those are no no, no those were uh, actually those were um both my my funnies that oh, okay. i was torn right. for my serious pick is actually ridley scott um, okay because i okay. would like to like unless we do the muppet version um <laughs> although wouldn't you love to see a space-based muppet ridley scott movie i i think i would fight someone to watch that it'd be called interfelter <laughs> i can't breathe no is it not Okay. All right. All right. I'm nodding, but that hurts my chest. <laughs> All right. All right. Oh my god. I I cannot begin to apologize enough for that. All right. So Ridley Scott is one that I actually thought of as well. That's a solid choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I think it would add a little bit of gravitas to this story. It would definitely change the tone from the animated series. Absolutely. But I think the story itself allows for that. Mm-hmm. I think it could be taken seriously. I definitely think you're correct. And especially um, as much as I love the cheesy soundtrack uh, with the updates that both you were discussing as far as like those slight changes, to the story that making it a more immediate need to find the Titan and um, redoing the soundtrack. Cause at one point I think this all started with you and I talking about how different a movie Titan a, it would be if simply replacing the 90s soundtrack with a score. Like, throw some fucking Hans Zimmer in there. Oh, my God. And, like, boom. All of a sudden, it's an instant classic. It's not a cult classic. It's just an animated sci-fi film from 2000 that everybody loves and adores. Right. It's It just... It would give a very different tone to the movie if instead of, like, hearing these, like, you know, super whiny, passionate 90s voices, um, you were instead treated to, like, deep, melodic rumblings a la, like... John Williams or yeah like instead of the moment when the wake angels are flying alongside the bow of their ship instead of hearing the urges it's my turn to fly (laughs) jerk 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 uh that you get just like your really super serious singing face that you make is that good (laughs) yeah it's good (laughs) I'm so glad we're not recording this on film uh (laughs) if if you got like kind of a playful orchestral mm-hmm. like a soundtrack for that that would definitely play better that'd be beautiful i mean don't get me wrong i was still super like as touched on entranced by the idea that i could fly a spaceship and not be motion sick but 
And I like in that movie, like I think that was when Kale took over the controls yeah, for the first time. Was, and he's it, like, oh, I understand how to fly this incredibly complicated spaceship, yeah. even though I've lived on the same fucking space station my entire life. Well, that's, well it was totally the dad teaches the, the pseudo son to learn how to drive moment. Like that was there. Like, I never got to play catch with my dad. Here, son, take the controls. Like I would have loved that scene so much more if, uh, if Corso went outside of the ship and put training wheels on the side of the ship before he let kale fly it and it's like okay all right all right no you're doing good you're doing so good you're doing you're doing great buddy you know just keep it straight just keep it moving forward oh that's so good that's good daddy's proud of you as he's just like standing behind the chair he's, he's just like pushing forward the steering wheel I, space suit holding the gun like nothing's about to happen <laughs> and kale's like hey, i did it i did it yeah Great hey. Matt Damon impression. Yeah, no, that's. I just assume that's how Matt Damon wakes up in the morning. Like, I didn't wet the bed. That's how I wake up in the morning. Every morning's a triumph when you do that. No, I think Matt Damon. The one thing he should be most proud of is the fact that uh, that uh, oh, what's his fuck? That movie is Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> now Thank that I've you. Yes. I told you. <laughs> yeah, he should be so happy that uh, Shark Eyes. What's his fuck? Has a career. Oh. Channing Tatum. Matt Damon used to be the uh, the. Team America World Police, Matt Damon, where he was just the dumb actor guy. And then Channing Tatum showed up and Matt Damon's like, whew, <laughs> like, off Thank the hook. Goodness. It's like the new kid that shows up at school and it's like, oh, it's your problem now. Bye. <laughs> like, I passed this crown to you. <laughs> I don't have to deal with it anymore. And then Matt Damon went on to do The Martian, which I find fucking delightful. And I was like, why did I hate you in the first place? This is a fucking great movie. Does so. he had to grow out of those like awkward phase where he's being both typecast and probably enjoying being typecast. I think he was just some of it. Fucking really pissed off about the fact that the movie Titan A never took off. Um, I was what, pissed about that. I That's was kind of pissed about it too. All right, so my directors. Okay. You, oh, uh, first off, let let's let's dig in a little. I need a little bit more on uh, this whole John Waters version of uh, Titan A that you're doing here. So. Last time I saw John Waters speak, he talked about how he had wanted to do an animated film and that it never quite got the funding. Um, And so I was envisioning like the way that John Waters handles his carefully crafted. I don't want to. I'm just going to call it trash because I love it. And that's a compliment. He's he's the Pope of trash. You can call it that. But um, I'm picturing this as not early John Waters. Like this is, this is post divine era. John Waters, like um, a la dirty shame. um, Cecil be demented. Cecil be demented. Yeah. 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 Um, Where Pecker was that Pecker was post. Yes, Pecker was okay. post. Um, that was that was in those early days, along with like Serial Mom and all. Sure, all yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, there's a part of me that just I in my brain I always want to hand John Waters just a a script and money and be like, do whatever your heart thinks is right and just let it happen. I wish I had the money to do that. I have <laughs> yes. such an absolute fucking appreciation for John Waters that like. I would straight up be like, no, whatever you want. Right. Like, even if it doesn't get released as long as I get to see it. Right. Like, you just unencumbered. Don't worry about licensing. Don't right. worry about, like, don't worry like about rating, rating. Yeah. any of that. Just do you, do you, buddy. Yeah. And just, here's money. Let's see what happens. Right. And if I only have to do private screenings at my, if I had that kind of money, I would, I would have a personal theater. Oh, and yeah. Then, then so be it. I mean, that, I just, I just think it would end up being 
delightful and very weird and like the way that his brain tends to put things together is is truly wonderful to me and his his tone i think translates from his personal writings um to to the, the screen and to his um combination of like movie discussions and stand-up sets i guess sure. it ends up being as those those personal talks that he gives um but his his voice is incredibly strong. It's like reading any anything Anthony Bourdain writes, where you can hear that exact cadence of mm-hmm. what he meant in that moment. Um, and so I, I read. Um, oh my gosh, uh, it's his most it, one of his more recent books about hitchhiking. It's Carsick, excuse me. Oh, okay, uh, Carsick yeah. about hitchhiking. And at first, when I started reading it, I didn't realize that the first bit of it was a were like that it was two hypotheses and then what actually happened so when i was reading it i got so into the idea that all of these wonderful incredible crazy things were happening to him that he was meeting like this like demolition derby driver and that he was being reconnected with Edie and all sorts of other things and i was just like oh my god like i was weeping on an airplane because i was so (laughs) emotional and then i realized that i was a fool and i was still okay with it (laughs) because it was so well written (laughs) Uh, what I liked about John Waters films is that they're at its base level, incredibly anti-authoritarian. Yes. Like that's been the base of almost every single movie that he's put out. Mm-hmm. And in Titan AE, I wouldn't say that it's overtly anti-authoritarian so much as anti-responsibility to your, to your background, to your history. You know, that the, the main character, uh, Kale, Mm-hmm. doesn't want any responsibility to the human race. And that's the right. big struggle that he has is being put in a position where he's not only having a responsibility to the human race, but almost a, a he's the savior of the right. human race and that balance. So to put John Waters in the position of creating that where he's anti-authoritarian, mm-hmm. I would almost figure that in a John Waters film, the turning it on its head where it gets to the climax of creating this, terraformed environment for Mm -hmm. mankind to exist and kale's just like nah like after all is done where all he has to do is flip a switch and he's like honestly universe is probably better off and just fucking murders the shit out of the human race uh slowly obviously um with with just a lack of interest in really continuing it oh my goodness and i feel like that would be very john waters just to to anti-climax like that just I think so, but he he does often give his films happy endings, though. He does. That's, that is true. I uh, we're like even his version of Hairspray, his the original version, um, the one that was not a musical, um, was based off of an actual TV station that was then a situation that occurred in Baltimore, but unfortunately, in reality, had a little bit of a different outcome. And he was like, "No, I'm going to give this a happy ending because it's it ended up being more subversive at." for that time sure and remains so i think also because of its pj pg rating and odd accessibility for a john waters film that lures you in and causes you to read more odd accessibility <laughs> it's almost like if so. david lynch had a tv show like it just that's that's weird it's a weird thing no he did he did I'm, yeah that's like, why i was yeah, like yeah <laughs> All of a sudden, I felt like I was going mad. No, 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 no. Like that's what I'm saying is that like there are moments like that with mm-hmm. John Waters doing a PG movie and Lynch having a TV show where you go, w- w- uh, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, uh, yeah. They let you have something with continuity. Interesting. I, I feel like Waters doing Titan AE would be another like, um, uh, excuse, you, you mean the 
2000 animated movie? You're doing yes. a live action <laughs> version of that. Okay. All right. When is that turning into a musical? <laughs> what is that two years after the release of the uh, live action film? It's once it becomes a hit. Thank yeah, you. <laughs> exactly. So mine, my directors that I'm going for is, mm-hmm. uh, my funny is that I feel like doing a really super campy sci-fi version of this would be super fun. And I cannot imagine a better director to do that than one Paul Verhoeven. If you are unfamiliar with Paul Verhoeven is the purveyor of the movie that we're doing a geekified event next Sunday at fallout eight nineteen August 19th at fallout from uh, seven to 10, I think is when we're doing it. Good Starship point. troopers, Starship troopers was Paul Verhoeven. Mm-hmm. Uh, based off a Highland story. And uh, he also did RoboCop. He also did Total mm-hmm. Recall. Uh, he, he was the the king of 80s and 90s sci-fi camp. Just the, the ridiculous costuming and, and, uh, and set pieces, the overacting, the cheesy one-liners, the the like bad hand-painted backdrops. Uh, he, he, it was very much a nod to like the old campy sci-fi of the mm-hmm. 1950s and 60s, but with a kind of a, a more gruesome, like hardcore hard R take. Right. So to see a hard R Paul Verhoeven Titan AE movie would be fucking everything. I, I would absolutely watch that. <laughs> I, and I'm, and I would be curious what he would do with that as well, because, um, Please correct me if I'm wrong, but as far as I remember, he actually didn't care for Heinlein's work that much for Starship Troopers, and that's why he made the costuming very um, similar to uh, another group of um, fascists. Yeah. Uh, And so he felt a very particular way about the the way that Heinlein had portrayed that, and so I'm I'm curious, once again, where you were discussing that uh, anti-authoritarianism where almost almost in a mixed message with being like here's this super cop that can be the ultimate cop but also <laughs> i'm not into fascists he's a cop like, but he's okay. super he is a super cop he's, yeah. he's a great guy it's fine um uh, yeah, he verhoven loves playing with the idea of authority mm-hmm. and almost writing from the perspective of authority which uh therefore circumvents its its it's reasonability to listen to uh, with RoboCop, the idea of an overarching authority that doesn't play by the rules and does its own thing. And he mm-hmm. plays with that so deeply. Same with Starship Troopers, where there's a fascist government, straight up fascist government right. that are the heroes of the story. Mm-hmm. Total Recall, same thing, where there's this hardline government that turns off the air to suffocate its citizens that aren't behaving. Right. You know, uh, he always plays from the perspective of the authority so that he can kind of like fuck with their power a little bit. So let me ask you this. If he, if, since that seems to be his stance, do you think that that means that we get Titan A from the perspective of the dredge? Because I think that they are most definitely like in this world where they like they can come in and wreck shit and everybody just like puts their hands up and is like oh the dredge are here and i think that they are most definitely like the dominant the dominant species like because as mentioned in the film they're pure energy like what are you going to do against pure energy and it i th- i think more so that mm-hmm. uh you you would need to expand the story a little bit mm-hmm. in order for verhoven to do it where instead of just uh by the way, if you've listened this long and you haven't watched Titan AE, then don't be mad if we're going to spoil a movie from 18 years ago. 
yeah, I'm going to go ahead and put that in the notes. And uh, <laughs> if, if you're going to be mad, you're going to be mad. I'm not going to be too worried about it. So uh, Corso turns on the crew. Mm-hmm. I feel like if Corso is a representative of the final tribunal of, of human government mm-hmm. that kind of oversees the goings on of humankind mm-hmm. that they want to be the ones kind of at the base level when the terraformed planet starts so that they can institute their government and their mm-hmm. rules and everything. And so part of the story is not only is he um, fighting the dredge, but he's also going against the, the o- overseeing government of the, the scattered mm-hmm. uh, humans in the galaxy and basically kind of giving away the planet to whoever is able to get there. Interesting. So, okay. So I've been rewatching a whole lot of Atlas star and, um, noticing a lot of similarities between, um, Gene Starwind and Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly, where there's, there's a lot of similarities in those two series, um, which I appreciate. And so I think that Corso is another one in that, that grouping of outlaw space captain, but he goes the other way. He goes the dark side. Right. And then he has, and he has his, you know, definitive turning moment where he's like eh, maybe you got something well, that's kid that's the perfect segue into our cast here because uh, my serious choice and it's a no-brainer really for me is that he he partly wrote titan ae so he has a deep-seated connection mm-hmm. to these characters and also this story isn't that far off from firefly so you get joss whedon to do the okay. uh the live action version of it and i think he would be the i mean he's the kind of no-brainer choice i know it's super on the nose but i mm-hmm. couldn't think of it maybe maybe drew goddard because he's been like the understudy of joss whedon for so long you mm-hmm. get him in there but and uh, he's your pick for corso for corso okay. is nathan fillion oh i mean i you he can play the bad guy he was he the can. preacher in buffy the vampire slayer like he can That's do true. it but you get him to kind of almost reprise a space captain role, but from the other perspective when, when Mal Mm. really means bad, you know, that he really goes to the dark way. I can appreciate that casting. I can, I can very much see it. Um, and I do think that, uh, that he would do an excellent job for, for that role. I went a different way though. What did you do? Uh, my choice for the serious casting for captain Joseph Corso is Idris Elba. Oh, done. Sold. Because he, I, I mean, obviously, because I don't need a, to explain. He's Idris Elba. He's, he's Idris Elba. B, he's Idris Elba. Um, but moreover, that in the, the roles that we've seen him encapsulate, I, I have complete faith in him and his ability to completely woo you as a surrogate father figure to make you feel so glad that he's around with a little bit of tough love and feel so like trusted and close and to have an utterly shattering moment in that betrayal and he could very easily do that hard turn yes. that super hard 180 turn super hard and also like god that redemption would just be mm, so sweet i just that's like I, I like that a lot it's it was it was the it was honestly one of the first choices i made where i was just like this is who i want <laughs> and who, who's your serious director for that too ridley scott ridley scott with yeah. oh man yeah. he's already worked with idris yeah before oh man, yep no ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm, I'm like i'm like the uh I, i'm like the hyenas and lion king when the, when you say uh when mufasa. Mufasa. Ooh. <laughs> that's me with idris elba idris elba ooh. that's i think that's a standard reaction to idris <laughs> yeah, elba pretty much. <laughs> so. All right, my my non-serious Corso, uh, again, this is Paul Verhoeven, so I need hard overacting actors. I need somebody that can be like the 
kind of father figure and very likable in being a staunch kind of dickhead character. So mm-hmm. none better than uh, somebody that was actually a voice actor and played Kale's dad in the movie, uh-huh. voice acted, Ron Perlman. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, my God. He would be. Oh, God. He would be super so- great as like the the like likable, like kind of dick character that you turn and you're like no but i liked you as much as you were a dick like i kind of liked darn it you were supposed to be the good kind of asshole yeah exactly yeah Yeah. so i I like that i I respect that choice that's that's very fair you got for kale uh do you want to hear my my goofy pick for corso go oh corso yeah mel brooks like actually mel like actually mel brooks um because just straight up space balls the situation just straight and just up. like unapologetically it doesn't even necessarily have to like like people are going to get that space balls moment but moreover like you have I, to mention the schwartz at some point well yeah but yeah I'm, so i went pretty ridiculous with this cast i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like feign that i, I was coy about this i was just like yes this is ridiculous and i want yeah, this do it um like i was and I honestly was thinking about him in Hotel Transylvania 2 as the voice of Dracula's father um, and how like like how he is as like a parent and a grandparent and being like, it's fine. He's got fangs. He'll have power. This is fine. Oh, wait, he's not. I got this. Like, <laughs> but, but in his Mel Brooks way, I can't even okay. pretend to do that voice um, justice without it just being uh, I would turn into a Jewish mother, uh, an aggressive Jewish mother from New York who's been smoking for probably 20 years plus. You were doing those voices earlier before we started recording. Yes, yes. and I gave you some sort of flashback, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it was like, oh man, I didn't even remember that memory until just now. Like You triggered something in me. Like Those are the two years of my childhood I don't remember, like just finally flooding back to me. You're welcome. Yeah. That's why I'm scared of water. Whoa, wow. Um, like, that's a whole nother six years of therapy I'm going to have to go through because I remember those two years of my life. Yeah. But now you'll be able to go to the ocean after that instead well, I mean, of just I mean, crying. Yeah, that's true. Well, I might do. I might just add a nostalgia. <laughs> cry for nostalgia. I think. I think we've stumbled into a romantic comedy if you're crying for nostalgia at the ocean front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> this is now a Wes Anderson movie. Um, so, so Kale. We're doing Kale now. Okay. Uh, who do you got for your series? My series is Chris Hemsworth. Um, and I struggled with this one a little bit. Um, but I honestly kept coming back to him because I knew that I wanted someone who was close to 30. And I knew that he could handle that role of being kind of a l- petulant and resistant, but ultimately making the choices that would redeem him as, as someone doing the right thing. Which he did in spades playing Thor. Like oh, there, yeah. there's very oh, yeah. si- similar kind of right struggles that the characters are dealing with also i want to see him in that haircut <laughs> that fucking haircut God we can damn update it, no. it we can update it uh, we can update the look of the movie we don't have to keep the could very well be a grunge music video look but there, part of the reason why i have such issue with the haircut is that one of my closest friends growing up jason payne name of the Payne family yeah um he had the haircut grown up and that's not because i don't have any issue with the dude like mm-hmm. i i i miss him and like he was right. a good friend of mine but it is 
such like from my upbringing such the stereotype 90s haircut <laughs> of the like the cool kid because he was he was oh, he yeah. was better at sports than us like he was better looking than us in the neighborhood we were like the we like magic cards and he's like i can get your football like bye guys <laughs> um that that there's this like weird connection to it that i i'm like no we're not we're not doing that anymore like i can't i can't do the haircut anymore like i miss my friend but not his hair like <laughs> that hair can go away <laughs> That's fair. I think uh, that haircut is another thing besides the soundtrack that st- starkly dates this film. Um, it's like stumbling across the um, my friend Kat and I found the TV show Superhuman Samurai, um, which has Tim Curry voicing like in an oscillating villain voice role where he's a, an evil virus, um, and it it is it's it's like some pre Beetleborgs madness. <laughs> I am color me intrigued. Like I need to, I need to discover this. Yeah. It's, Oh God. He gets pulled into his computer and gets given this like super power suit and everything. Oh man. Like, yeah, this podcast needs to be more uh, popular so we can have like a appreciation group so people can start sharing these links to each other. So (laughs) I can pop in and get the links and not have to put any effort into it. So that's fair. (laughs) If if you guys listening can get on that, I would appreciate it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But, so uh, who was your serious pick? My serious pick is I wanted somebody that was kind of young and was able to do the serious role and also be kind of playful with it. Again, okay. this is Joss Whedon joint, mm-hmm. um, as as he calls all his films. Uh, they're known as Joss Whedon joints. I don't know if you knew that. Um, <laughs> that's not true. Uh, <laughs> Kale Tucker. I decided to go with a, a cast member from Stranger Things, and I went with uh, the, the guy that played Steve, uh, Joe oh. Keery. Very nice. He's got a bit of a quaff on uh, on Stranger Things. I think we'd probably like knock that hair down a little bit for. I'm going to continue to make this face at you. Even no, you, you want it. his giant fucking weird pompadour I hair. Totally do. I totally want the big pop hair. That's totally fine. Uh, no, I think that's a really solid pick. He, I, uh, I think he would do a really good job with it. He, he seems like he'd be able to be indignant, but in a very charming way. So yeah, a little bit less tampered tantrumy and i think it yeah would be more, well. more just like no i don't want to do that so i'm not going to do it and just right. be kind of like too cool for it kind of an approach mm-hmm. which i felt kind of played that way a little bit with matt damon voicing mm-hmm. uh voicing him in the in the animated series so i definitely think that that would that would tie in quite well yeah I, we don't need another whiny luke skywalker situation and i love some star wars don't get me wrong anybody that's listened to any of these podcasts knows this because i mention it almost every single thing that i do ever but <laughs> there's only one luke if you got the like too cool for school like doesn't caring about stuff isn't cool man kind of mm-hmm. thing i think joe Keery would be a good choice i so. think i think you are right on the money there um and i'm gonna go ahead and ask you because i need to know who is your your comedy pick for kale you'll appreciate this because it was very similar to your serious pick for kale um i didn't go with chris hemsworth i went with liam hemsworth (laughs) because he's a little younger yeah and also i feel like as much as chris gets the comedy he's just too pretty that's fair. He's too pretty. Liam is, I mean, and I'm, that's not taking any way. They're a good looking family. That, but. That's a good looking family. Yeah. Like, I, I need to look up what the parents look like because they're probably just made out of like genitals, like just like <laughs> really good looking genitals. <laughs> I think that this is a John Waters film. I apparently don't understand how procreation <laughs> works because like, I don't know how that would make good looking kids, but you know, like. 
I don't know. I think we've stumbled into a weird bioengineering. <laughs> I'm just assuming section. Australia has like instead of the terracotta army from China, it's just a bunch of Hemsworths that are hidden underground in a bunker. I would also watch that movie. <laughs> yeah, I would watch that movie. <laughs> Oh my It'd God. be like the clone army from Star Wars, but it's just a bunch of really attractive Aussies. God, and then just Jermaine over in New Zealand going, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> Again, Hollywood, if you want to pick up any of these, just give us credit. That's all we're asking for. Uh, yeah, Liam's, Liam Hensworth, he's, from what I've seen him in, he's got a really good uh, eye for, for the comedic moments mm-hmm. and being able to play it straight as well. So I feel with something as chew the scenery as a Paul Verhoeven sci-fi space epic Mm -hmm. uh, he would be able to look know exactly what kind of movies he's in and just overact when necessary and especially with Corso Mm -hmm. the moments of Ron Perlman and Liam Hemsworth playing off of each other and kind of out chewing the scenery with each other I think would be absolutely fucking brilliant that would that would play extremely well that would be All right, that's so a, that's a pretty solid combination. So we got Corso, we've got uh, Kale. Oh no, what's your what's your funny Kale? I we haven't gotten there yet. My funny Kale pick um, is John Mulaney, the comedian. The comedian, yes. That I awkward, dorky looking dude. Yes. Okay. Uh, for Kale, because the tone of his voice reads so clearly to me, and a lot of his standup is is quite is personal experiences um and i think that he had enough of a rebellious streak in him um just as a person that the way that he talks about life will translate very well to being indignant about having to save the world and being like and everyone being like this guy is supposed to save us <laughs> okay excellent so a lot and of like then, oh there's all that happening well that's that's but, fun that's I can also picture Mel Brooks taking him under his wing as like <laughs> this comedy elder to, yeah. to be like, it's fine. It's fine. This week. We, we I don't, do I don't think you could find a, a comedian <laughs> on earth that wouldn't look up at uh, Mel Brooks on, on film or not. Right. It was starry eyes. So like the, the, the like daddy kind of <laughs> approach would be like completely able to be found on film. I would, I would like to think so. And, like I said, this is nice just... little nice little curveball there. I like that. <laughs> I I've got a few things. Oh dear God! Maybe. Okay, well then we got to dig in because we are actually uh, we are. We've I'm been sorry. In... No 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 no. Like there's no real time stamp on this. Like we want to be around an hour. We're at uh, fifty nine minutes at this point. So uh... <laughs> just cut out like all my intro. Uh, there's fine. Goon, who is the uh, really awkward, uh, glasses-wearing alien. I don't know if you have anybody for Goon or not. I do. Um, so I've got. Um, do you want? Do you want to hear both of my picks? Yeah. Let's, the bed? let's okay. uh, let's rapid fire. Um, so I want, want to spend a little bit of a time uh, time with Akima. Okay. But I, I think the the uh, rest of the crew we can kind of like hammer down pretty quick. Okay. Um, so with Goon, my uh, serious pick is Patton Oswalt solid i like um, that a lot yeah that's good so, i like that i uh, i just think that he'll translate incredibly well for all of the roles that i've seen him in and for his i, th- I think that Fuck, he would like them. mine's decent but that's better yours is better shit what's your who's your pick mine is uh mr have you seen my stapler steven root uh to play goon I, oh. I think i mean you just take his character from office space and you put him in an alien suit and it's like the same thing kind of but like a little bit more manic with goon oh that but would be steven root is also a character actor he'd be able to 
play with that character so goddamn well. Oh yeah, I I def I would definitely watch both, but I I think I still favor my pick. I, yeah, no, I think I favor uh, your I'm pick not, too. I'm not completely one over. Um, and so my ridiculous pick is is because like I enjoy I I want to see to hear rather this actor's voice in the persona of goon okay because i picked patrick warburton Ooh. um because he's I've, he's I've, always i've got a i've got a there i can't do accents i can't do the, the only thing or, that or i can do is is him is um is, what putty is, no it's him in the emperor's new groove as oh, <laughs> of course that's the one role that you can do he's gonna put your hands up <laughs> At least I like to pretend that I That would be it. a very interesting choice for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I went with, uh, you may have known of him as Murdoch from the A-Team remake movie. He was also in District 9, uh, Charto Copley. He's this like really geeky looking, uh, like, I don't know if he's South African or British. Uh, they kind of sound similar half the time, but. I think they're all South. I think he's South African. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, but yeah, he's he's a very good actor, but he can also do neurotic pretty well. And I think that is really the important part for that character for Goon. Yeah. It's just kind of like all over the place. And mm -hmm. and uh, it, I didn't want to like the A-Team remake. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was stupid they were doing it in the first place, but they knew that all they could do is basically do their version of the movie Shoot 'em Up and just make it so unbelievably over the top and ridiculous that... Uh, that it made it fun. It became a parody of the series as opposed to an actual remake. And I, I appreciated that. And, uh, Shadow Copley played Murdoch really well. So yeah, that's a pretty solid pick. I actually just, um, I actually hadn't gotten to watch district nine until recently. Great. movie. So I, I'm super thrilled with it. It was pretty incredible, but I won't d divert the conversation too much. Um, but I am, I do think that that's a really solid pick for for neurotic yet competent. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and uh, I, I think he would portray that pretty well. Mm -hmm. No, I, I like I like your 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 comedy pick. I think that that would intertwine quite well. So, uh, who who else do you have on the crew next? Um, so mine is a little bit more out of order because I had listed it with like Akima and then Preed and then Goon. Um, so I think. Do you want to go back and touch on Akima real fast, just because she is a fairly main character? Okay, yeah, let's let's get Akima. Okay, um, so uh, my I I was torn between two for my my serious picks because I thought that both of the these these ladies would do um, the character justice in different ways. Okay, so my two picks were Kelly Marie Tran. Um, okay, and um, the other one is Lizzie Kaplan. Okay. So okay. You get two very different versions of some of like the points of Akima's personality. Sure. Um, where like Lizzie Kaplan, I think, would be a little bit more snarky, um, and like cutting and uh, lean into like those like side comments a little bit more. Sure. With Kelly Marie Tran, I think you would get um that like burning passion for like like the love of humanity and sure. for like being in space and for doing those things and also wanting to survive and be fantastic. Okay. Um, so I, uh, I, I like those, both those choices very much. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's solid. I didn't even think about those a actresses, which, uh, that's kind of why I love this, mm -hmm. this podcast so much is that I went, I, every single episode, there's been at least one person where I go, fuck, that should have been mine. Like, <laughs> so goddamn good. <laughs> 
uh, mine, I, I went two very different ways okay. with Akima. Uh, with the Paul Verhoeven uh, super campy, I went with a super hardline badass chick that like to the point where it, even with it being Liam Hemsworth, Mr. Dreamy Pants as mm-hmm. Kale, part of the fun of it is that she is too independent to have no time for no man that she's almost like at a loss a little bit of her, her uh, humanity in mm-hmm. order to save humanity. She is focused okay. almost solely on the mission. And when she has moments of like vulnerability mm-hmm. with, uh, with Kale, she's almost like mad at herself about it. And I figure an actress that'd be able to portray that well is the actress from the 2011 American remake of the girl with the dragon tattoo, uh, Rooney Mara. Oh, just got very, very strong features. Uh, mm-hmm. Just comes off in all the roles she's been in as a very strong woman. Yeah. Um, that can take care of herself, which is something that I always got from Akima uh, mm-hmm. from the animated series uh, movie that, that she doesn't need anybody to save her. You know, she's, right. she's as much of a member of the team as anybody else. There's no times where she's a damsel in distress. Um, that is something that, that I've always appreciated about it as well. And so mm-hmm. I wanted that to translate well. Yeah. Uh, the other choice is actually a television actress mm-hmm. uh, from a superhero series that I'm a fan of mm-hmm. that I feel is a great actress in their own right, is able to be a strong female character, but mm-hmm. also has have a lot more whimsy mm-hmm. to uh, the role, would be able to wink at the role a little bit more, which would work mm-hmm. better for a Whedon joint, a Joss Whedon joint. Mm-hmm. Uh, Candace Patton, Okay. Who is from the series The Flash? Hmm. Uh, she is uh, the Flash's uh, wife. Um, well, adoptive sister, uh-huh. and then later wife, because that's how uh, <laughs> the story goes. She's Iris West in uh, in The Flash. Okay, so your description, I just had to stare through time for a second. To yeah, yeah. Make that. Uh, so I, she's she's a great actress. I absolutely adore her. She's. Mm-hmm adorable she's uh strong she well she's able to be both strong and vulnerable as the as the moments dictate mm-hmm. you know she she's not she's a multifaceted character in the flash uh she mm-hmm. translates that well with her acting i feel like that's something that's important to a uh a very fleshed out akima in a joss whedon joint mm-hmm. so um uh that that's something that i was kind of mad about with joss whedon then he got so much shit for uh for black widow uh, mm-hmm. showing vulnerability in uh, in the second Avengers movie mm-hmm. because they said that that wasn't really a feminist approach. And I went, no, th- everyone in that movie showed vulnerability to the men too. Like that, yeah. that doesn't take away the strength of the character that right. shows that even in moments of vulnerability, they rise above it and move forward with it. Right. That, well, vulnerability and being strong are, are two completely different things. Yeah. Um, they don't, just, they don't negate each other. No, they do not. They yeah. often go, hand in hand and yeah, it's yeah. depending on how that sometimes occurs. one begets the other right no yeah. absolutely so um, I, I think Candace Patton would be a, a good choice there I think I, that's kind of one of my curveball choices is that she's okay. not not well known for her acting roles in movies so I feel like this would be an mm-hmm. opportunity for her to kind of step up and and really take the reins a little bit I gotcha so I have uh, I do have a, a curveball for you for my super comedy pick for Akima Okay. What's, what's your? I want to see Cardi B. As no. Akima. No. Yes, I do. No. No. Yes, no. No. Okay. You got to explain her, yourself. She built herself up by herself 
to get to her music career. She started as a stripper. She worked her ass off. She has a music career. Oh, uh, not off. Um, like, well, it's still very I'm, much there. Right. And I yeah. appreciate it. Um, but she she does not take shit. And seeing her opposite John Mulaney in her like, <laughs> this is okay. my, All right. All right. Like, I'm back in. This All is right. who the fuck I am. Yep. Okay. And this is right. how I'm going to no, do this. I, I did and this not is even... why you're going to help me save the fucking human race. <laughs> I did not consider the, the cross section there. I, uh, I apologize for my reaction. <laughs> I think that was uh, that was reactive and uh, not uh, helpful in a in a conversation about uh, ideas and perspectives, <laughs> and uh, and I apologize. So yes, please continue with this gawky, way too much Adam's apple for his own good uh, main character and Cardi fucking B. Right, being okay. guarded by being being guided by Mel Brooks, like the two of them, like the this is the this is who's going to save the human race. Um, because one of them is going to push the other along to do it. And I'm, you have to I'm like something. sweating and shaking like I do every morning when I watch the news where nothing makes sense anymore. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. All right. That's why I whispered this pic to you because I didn't want to like shout it at you. Oh my God. Like I but feel she, like I'm having like acid flashbacks. <laughs> this is, this is upsetting. All right. Continue. I just... I, I can see this this structure playing out. And like I said, like, you know, we're, we're I'm still casting this as if it were like a John Waters, Edgar Wright kind of film. Oh, no, which, this is definitely John Waters oh, yeah, at no. this point. That's yeah. what like <laughs> this is... I knew in my heart of hearts, but I was like, maybe <laughs> Edgar Wright would be like, I don't know what to do with it. John Waters would be like, yay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Strong female characters that are like uh, I he, he actually writes about how he used to like sneak out of school and go to like the toughest burlesque shows where like the strippers they they just came out nude like like <laughs> so, so, i think her name was zorro and she just came out nude and was just like what the fuck are you looking at and he thought she was the greatest thing i feel like he would love the shit out of cardi b and her like pulled myself up by my own g yeah i'm actually surprised if they um, aren't actually best friends at this point i hope so that would I'm be a, pretty good this is my head cannon now okay all right okay. no fair fair all right we gotta knock these out real quick because okay. we're we're getting there um so we've got uh preed okay is an ex uh preed was another character that ended up kind of being a turncoat he uh he turned on the crew he Mm -hmm. was very well spoken he was he was so smart he was voiced by nathan lane yes he was i believe so so if that's kind of a idea on how he's approached he's very well spoken but kind of a bastard a Mm -hmm. little bit a little bit of jane from firefly with a little but voiced by nathan lane a little bit more proper oh my goodness no oh my gosh i'm sorry i'm just that's a that's a combination i hadn't that hadn't entered my brain before oh if uh river's brother in in fire simon simon if simon and jane had a baby uh that would be preed fair enough but it it would definitely would definitely it would be a vid the smarmiest child. If you child. can upset me with Cardi B, I can upset <laughs> no, you, you can, with a. You can do this. Okay. I, I know that nobody can see my facial expressions right now, but my eyes just about flew through the wall on the opposite. Side As they right. were glazing over at the same time, it was amazing <laughs> to see. Like I didn't know human eyes could do that at the same time. So I do what I can to impress you. So Preed, that's uh, that's that's where we're going. Do you got yeah. a Do you got a funny for that? I do. Um, so my funny is Richard Iowate. Richard Iowata. Iowata. He's um, Moss in IT Crowd. Um, oh, he's also in okay. the Mighty Boosh. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, uh, I, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. He, he's also... God damn, the Mighty Boosh is so good. I love the Mighty Boosh. It's so wonderful. 
That's we're not going to get into that because Bailey's out of a shoe. Do you love me? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, no, we got to stop it there because I will I will geek the fuck out. All right, continue. Um, so it's I feel like because he's got a wide range that he does, but like even just comparing those two characters that I I listed and him himself himself as a character, um, being like the larger than life travel man when he does his own stuff, um, he is very good at both being very, very kind of awkward and then suddenly turning on the deeper voice kind of smooth. Um, so I feel like if he, if I, I want to see him do smarmy, like over the top smarmy, cause I feel like he could. Um, okay. And I, I feel like once again, adding to the, that crew of Mel Brooks, John Mulaney, Cardi B, okay, and Richard Iwate. I see it. Um, I see it. Yep. Where no, I'm there. Is, I'm there with you. I'm, I'm is, riding that train. Yeah, and and and, and Preet is cutting too. Like in his remarks, he's like he doesn't just hand information to Kale. He'll make Kale figure it out and then be like, mm, "You're so good at this." Like, like, oh look, the human gets a treat. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you know. Like, okay. And I feel like. Richard Iowati would definitely do that uh, justice. And Eileen, oh my goodness, I've completely forgotten the name of his character in The Mighty Boosh, and I feel terrible about that. But uh, as one of the the sorcerers, yeah, he is much more of like a hard nosed asshole. Um, he does not give an inch to Naboo at all. And he's just like very much for death penalties and things of that nature. And I feel like that would work out well for. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, I, I see character. that translating pretty well, yeah. especially with your batshit fucking crazy uh, funny <laughs> there. Uh, my funny for Preed is uh, again, Verhoeven. So there's scenery chewing, and this is a character actor british character actor i felt like it was important for the uh for the character for it to be a british actor mm-hmm. i think and so i stole a character from oh he's been in a million things but one of the more recent ones that you know him from is the kingsman series uh mark strong the character from kingsman uh have you seen golden circle right i have not okay uh he was the uh main kingsman in the training process, he had the shaved head. He was like the IT guy, basically, for the Kingsman. He's been in a million and one things. Uh, let me think. Uh, Mark Strong. He's he was uh, he he was in a lot of the early Guy Ritchie movies as well. Oh, um, oh goodness! I feel like the the face is just escaping me. It's it's. Un- so that's Mark Strong. Okay, so uh, the, he 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 was in uh, Cabin in the Woods, wasn't he? Uh, he was or in my... Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Okay. He was no, I'm in a different person then. Okay, but a bunch but, of yeah. stuff. Let me let me go through the list here. He was in Great Cheekbones. He's got to be in Shazam. Uh, Deep State. Oh, I was thinking of Kazam, and I was like, what? Golden Circle, <laughs> Miss Stone, Brothers Grimsey. He was the other brother Grimsey uh, across from Sasha Baron Cohen in oh the Brothers Grimsey. Um, he oh was, goodness. he's been in a fucking million things. He's, he's one of those British actors that gets thrown in fucking everything. Fair enough. Imitation game. And, uh, well, I'll definitely be, uh, educating myself on more on his, uh, he was in John Carter. <laughs> the oh my God. Disney so, Mars movie. There are so many of these movies where like, I hate to say this, but I'm just like, man, I should watch these oh, sober. He was Sinestro in Glee- green lantern. Yeah. That that's him. Oh yeah. God! Yeah, <laughs> I I don't say that as a like 
hooray. No, I know. That's definitely why I'm making this face. Yeah. But okay. Okay. That's a, a solid choice for Preed. The same guy that got to play Sinestro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's, yeah, no, that's, uh, I think that probably be a pretty solid pick do you yep. want to elaborate on that or do you want to go ahead and get to our no no let's let's continue on i i, I feel like well with preed he's he's able to be both well-spoken and also kind of like a little passive aggressive where he just like talks under his breath about things that he's oh, yeah. not super stoked about and but also like when yeah. when it comes down to it he can like yeah knock it out oh yeah he's the coworker that says things just loudly for you to hear yeah uh, with my funny for Preed, do you, do you got your funny ready or no, no you're serious. I mean, yeah, ser- I'm not my serious. serious. Okay. What's yeah. your serious for Preed? Uh, Chris Pratt actually. Ooh, nice. I like it. Um, I like it. cause once again, like he is often such a charming character. Like he may have some, some certain characteristics where you're like, come on, dude, but he's always redeemable. And I would really like to see him as like, a smarmy villain like a well-spoken like just charmingly charming enough but like still kind of makes your skin crawl and i feel i would really like to see him like lean into that as much as he can almost like when he's doing uh you're t- with chris pratt chris pratt star lord yeah I, yeah he's never done straight up like villainous no no he has not he is he's he's gotten a little a little smarmy when he's like trying to hit on people in films mildly creeper mode he mildly. forgot about a girl while he was escaping from a but planet even then he was and super she got charming when he forgot about her which is probably why he gets away with that shit all the time and he didn't get fucked up by the the razor teeth girl that he gets shit for by that's true tracks the destroyer <laughs> man who is laid with an oscar very yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. one time um well there was that and then there was the we'll call it flirtation with the the um oh my gosh i forgot her race the golden woman at the beginning of the second guardians of the galaxy oh right yeah, yeah that yeah. that scene that the moment of flirtation was a moment where i was like i can understand why all of the characters in this room are a little uncomfortable at this moment oh yeah I mean, at least it's mutual, not just him aggressively. They're talking flirting. about fluid exchange and stuff. Like, it's it's pretty, you know, they're talking about yeah. fucking for research. I mean, don't you? <laughs> I mean, I have 100% said we need to have sex again for the sake of science. I like, and, and I'm not even lying for the sake of the episode. Like, I have super used that line before. That's fair. Uh, and that's what the response text was, is that that's fair. <laughs> so, <laughs> so played out quite well. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm very pleased with that. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, uh, so yeah, on that note, uh, yeah, my, uh, serious choice for Preed, I, again, I wanted proper, but also able to kind of break bad when necessary, mm-hmm. but mostly very formal mm-hmm. in his approach. I also went with another actor from the Kingsman and also very classically trained actor has been a, an actor in much ado about nothing. He's done mm-hmm. a million other things, including love. Actually, he was an actor in Mr. Colin Firth. Oh, that is as preed. Oh, that's a really good pick. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think he would do very well by that role. I, I think you were right. Yeah, I, I, I lean towards yours versus mine. Okay, I did. Right. I do. I still want to see Chris Pratt, but Colin Firth is a really solid pick. I think that was solid. Yeah, yeah. no, that's. I appreciate that. All right, we we got one more, and then we got to get into we, our mashups very quick. We have two. To me, uh, to me, we need to talk about Stith, who is the other main crew member, okay. and we need to talk about the Dredge Queen. The Dredge Queen. Okay, I didn't get Dredge Queen on mine only because uh, okay. the the voice is 
kind of garbled and could be kind of played by a lot of people. I I, I have a, a pick for, but so I, I have picks for both. I, I I already know who my dredge queen would be for my uh, probably serious and and silly version okay. um, of. But but uh, let's let's do Stith real quick. Okay. Which Stith is the. Uh, Laden with being a mechanic, not really stoked about it. Uh, kind of like right. sassy, uh, shit talking. She's played by Janine Garofalo, and yeah. that's really all you need to know is that it's probably it would be Janine Garofalo as an alien. She's she's a sassy pants alien. She's yeah. a sassy pants. Yeah, no, she's she's exactly as Janine Garofalo would be. She's very much like um, the Heather character from uh, Romeo and Michelle, just as a okay, yeah, as an alien. Yeah, 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 not bad. She's, yeah, no, um, I like that. Okay. Very no bullshit getting stuff done. Um, so my comedy pick for her first is Eliza Schleisinger. And with another comic, um, but a, a slightly different style. Um, she she makes the sheep noises and is does a little bit of the Am I Right Girls comedy. But um, oh, I don't like the Am I Right Girls comedy. It's 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 normal, right up there with the this guy knows what I'm talking about. Normally comedy. I'm not into that. But the way that she crafts it, in my opinion, um, does not alienate and it's she and it's in in her way the way she does it it's like an in joke where she's like she's doing a nudge to that like where she's like like we're all in on the joke where she's just sort of like her most recent special is called elder millennial like she's oh, yeah, no, she's I've, in I've on the, like it's it a Netflix. joke that you're in on um and i i think that is what i i appreciated about about it is that um it doesn't feel alienating to me because often like I don't feel like I'm the most feminine person, even though I cover myself in glitter and take my clothes off on stage. And I'm like, yes, I want to be a flowing princess, but (laughs) (laughs) you're like, I don't feel feminine, even though literally everything about me is feminine. Yeah, No, except, except that while that's happening, you know, do before gear is playing and I'm just sort of like, I'm so happy right now. Let's burn the world down. You were pretty much a velociraptor (laughs) covered in glitter, wearing a tutu, listening to Dima Bougier. Yeah. Like that's, that's pretty much. So this is very off topic, but I have to tell you that uh, one of the last shows that I did in DC, um, the act that I, I pitched that got in. I did a classic boa burlesque act to the Jurassic Park theme while dressed as a velociraptor and never acknowledging that I'm a velociraptor. And <laughs> there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons why we're friends. Um, I feel like that embodied like eight of them <laughs> on why we're friends. That's fair. Um, but I I just think that uh, back to Elijah, just from the way that I've seen her handle stand-up and comedy i think that she's got because because janine was a little bit of that like super feminine super feminist comedy as well just in a very i don't want to date her but very 90s early 2000s like she's kind of like she's girl grunge yes like a little little uh babes in toyland kind of l7 kind of yeah yeah yeah. um and i i feel like eliza is a little bit more of um she's she's not quite as grungy but i feel like if we're doing an updated version and this strange cast that i've constructed i think that she's going to fit quite well as a different sort of sass and no bullshit okay um uh my funny is i i wanted uh, a character that was a badass chick that wouldn't take no sass from no man kind of approach but okay. also as very effeminate in in her own ways mm-hmm. uh the 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 character 
herself stith is not a sexual character no, i mean she's not. honestly for the most part aside from maybe a little bit with uh with kayla and akima mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of sexuality happening in this series there's so. like one moment with kayla and akima where he comes in and she's in the shower and she's just basically like in or out like i don't care what you're doing just which do by it. the way i re-watching this preparing uh for it I realized just how close that scene was to uh, Black Widow and Banner in uh, one of the Marvel movies where um, she she was like, uh, I used up all the hot water. And he said, well, maybe I should have joined you then. Yeah. Like it was very, very similar situation. So um, the the Whedon tendrils are like floating Mm -hmm. out of that scene. I uh, stiff. I decided to go with a, a traditionally very, very strong actress that's, Every role that she's in, she plays like badass, but also very like uh, very attractive, like feminine, but also mm-hmm. strong. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, I love her. I love her. To I death. thought you were going to give that was going to be your pick for Akima at first when you started distri- describing. There was actually a little bit of a debate there. I, yeah, I almost picked her for Akima. Yeah, like, no, I think she would do fine as Akima too. I but love her. I think Michelle Rodriguez. She would knock that out of the fucking park, yeah, especially in a like super chew the scenery overacting. I mean, she she's been in Rodriguez flicks and like killed it. So she yeah. knows how to overact. Yeah, like playfully overact in a role. Oh yeah, no, she's. She's pretty fantastic. Um, uh, who's okay. your serious stiff? My serious stiff is Aubrey Plaza. Ooh, oh god damn it! I love her so much. She's I I want to elaborate, but I feel like you just you like just you know you know what I'm talking yeah. about, and she would be so good, so good. I uh, came up with this mainly because uh, Joss Whedon. This is my Joss Whedon version. Okay, originally was supposed to be directing a Batwoman series and mm-hmm. uh there's been I think I don't know if he's officially off the project but there was a difference in opinion on how things went I don't know if it's being retooled and he's going to stay on or if he's been left off I'll leave it for our listeners mm-hmm. to uh inform me of that but also very recently there was an announcement that this actress would be portraying Batwoman in the TV series oh, version yes. of Batwoman so I figured this is a chance for him to direct a Batwoman if not <laughs> the Batwoman from the movies the Batwoman from the TV series so I cast Stith as Ruby Rose nice. as known from Orange is the New Black and mm-hmm. became like the lesbian poster woman mm-hmm. for like a year where all of my I'm not even going to say queer friends like all of my friends were like yeah she's a babe she is a babe she's a babe and uh, i think she's also a hard ass like she mm-hmm. could play that like don't na- take no shit from no one kind of mm-hmm. character and and be like the hard kind of mechanic type character but also a very she's still very effeminate in her in her strength she definitely is oh, so yeah. I, I think that translates well to stiff so uh, that, that's where we stand with the characters at this point. We've got one character that I do oh, want to yes, yes, we... touch on the Dredge Queen. And okay. the Dredge Queen um, was originally done in like that weird oscillating style by um, Christopher uh, Scarabasio. He was um, he was just a, he was a sound engineer that did uh, a lot of work. And um, so they just heavily, uh, I don't want to say mutated, but heavily almost hexist out his voice. Um, for this role so it was it sounded completely inhuman and both like organic and robotic and like a different language sure um so i have um two very different picks um where in in my vision of the dredge 
uh, for this in the Dredge Queen. They did what they did for Monster House, which is to um, put all of the, the the electronic markers on the person playing them. So that way you get sure. more of the outline of, of who this is and you can get more like facial inflection and sort of thing and almost humanize them but i think still keeping them pretty warped sure um do you want my serious pick or my comedy pick first let's do the comedy pick first so my comedy pick is harvey firestein wow harvey 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 firestein because he has a fantastic unique voice he does and i think also if you have this like very effeminate looking dredge queen and then you go Hi, how you doing, you humans? What are you doing in my neck of the woods, huh? Where's the Titan? Tell me where the Titan is. I need to know where the Titan is. It's fine. We're just going to talk about the Parade of Hope, and hopefully you'll join our cause. I can't. I can't quite. I can't do Harvey justice. I, I go. I go. Straight Nobody to, can until it, except for Harvey. Uh, once upon a time, as a smoker who got um, bronchitis, I was close. Um, <laughs> okay. Because I, I had that right kind of gravel, but I, I adore his voice, and I think that, especially, adding that little touch of like oscillation, and there's just so much more available to us now that it would be. A really cool, a really cool Dredge Queen. I just realized I want to hear Kathleen Turner do a impression of Harvey Firestein. Like, I need that to happen in my life. (gasps) (laughs) I think that's the only person that could do it. I didn't know I needed that until this moment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And if if the sentence wasn't so long, I would name this episode Kathleen Turner doing an impression of Harvey Firestein. (laughs) (laughs) okay so harvey firestein is your 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 funny dredge queen Mm -hmm. uh my funny is uh i also wanted a woman that won't take no sass from no one um with a little bit of a uh chew the scenery mode and nothing better than the mom from married with children katie seagal as the dredge queen you want leela i want leela as the dredge queen i think she'd appreciate that yeah i think she would have a lot of fun with that yeah no i i I, li- I like that pick. That's, yeah. I'm very entertained by that. Yep. Um, Imagine Leela's voice coming out of the Dredge Queen being just like the dr- the Dredge Queen. It's the, almost as good as the ep- the Futurama so- episode that had B. Arthur as the voice of oh Femputer. My oh my that was, god. That would be. That, I mean, B. Arthur is my queen. But, yeah. Fair. Um, but I think I think that would be a solid moment of what <laughs> Leela. <laughs> All right. So you're serious Dredge Queen, and then we got to get. This okay. Moving. We're like a half hour over. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. I'm having a blast. Um, my serious pick. Um, I went back and forth between two people, and I finally settled on her. Is Alice Krieg? She is the Borg Queen, and she was Christabella. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. she was Christabella in Silent Hill, and she has the the calm ferociousness that I think in a Ridley Scott film would be horrifying. Okay, as the Borg Queen, where like I think. Bring, bringing the tailor, terror of an alien race um, and it's and cold inhuman perf, cold perfect inhumanity to startling life um, and I think she would be utterly magnificent at it I, I really like that pick I think that's a really solid choice there um, and also like she's been in a lot more stuff besides those two I'm, she I'm trying has, to think of just what those other... are those are the two roles that I thought mirrored what I sure. wanted for yeah, this yeah, yeah, the yeah, best. For sure. She's a re- she's done a lot of things. Um but those were the two that I thought were best to focus on not only for 
the possibility of people knowing who she who I was immediately, but also knowing the tone of what I wanted immediately. There were there were two actresses that I was settling on for this role, mm-hmm. and uh, the role went to one mainly because I feel like the uh, the humor aspect would lean a little bit more for this actress, uh, which is Kate Blanchett. I think she was actually well. my other pick. Yeah. Uh, Tilda Swinton was the other one that I was oh, considering, yeah. but she's, uh, I, I feel like Kate Blanchett would be able to play with a Whedon, mm-hmm. a Joss Whedon joint a little bit more play with uh, like dance around in the role a little bit more, have mm-hmm. more fun with it. That Tilda is a very like uh, regimented actress and is, is amazing at what she does, oh, yeah. but definitely uh, doesn't have as much of an improvisational kind of approach to her acting as I feel like, like, uh, Blanchett does so okay I, I feel like I, I I just I think Blanchett's a better fit for the role in a in a Whedon version of it that's completely fair yeah. um and like I said she she actually was the the other person that I was um torn between okay. um she was the other person that I was heavily considering for oh, her yeah. for her demeanor now uh b- before we get into our uh in a world uh mm-hmm. trailers what other properties would you like to see mashed up with Titan AE I'm going to start this by saying I'm a jackass. Okay. Um, I wanted to see it mashed up with another Don Bluth movie, um, which this film, when I... With the secret of NIM where there's like... No. <laughs> there's like it, a little little rat's nest in the spaceship and... No, I actually was thinking We're Back, a dinosaur story. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, and, that, and part of why I want to see it is because like the combination would become the most ridiculous thing. Because when you describe We're Back, a dinosaur story, like when you summarize We're Back, you go, okay, so this professor flew back in time, picked up dinosaurs, made them sentient with cereal, brought them to current day so they could talk to children at the Natural History Museum. They got lost and discovered his twin brother who has a screw for an eye that gives him evil magic who runs a carnival who is going to use another cereal to make them evil and they learn to be dinosaurs who like people again with the power of children that just sounds like an episode of the goosebumps tv series like that's that's right it's but it's it's ridiculous like the bad guy's name is professor screw eyes and admittedly i I, I think that watching that movie may have some reason of why i'm the way that i am now but because dinosaurs and evil carnival and all sorts yeah, of other things. Professor Screw Eyes is the name of my just straight meth cover band where we just <laughs> where we just do lots of meth. <laughs> is this an intervention, Hobbit? Do you yeah, need... I mean, apparently I need one if I'm taking this seriously. <laughs> oh um, my goodness. Uh, but I, I thought that combining the time traveling dinosaurs with cereal to help help turn things good with trying to save the human race and trying to humanize this alien race. Would I be. just see like this animated pterodactyl during the wake angel scene, just flying along <gasps> with the wake angels, just outside of the ship, like, just like <laughs> flying around. Oh, lovely. It's like, yeah. Just look, look, look like Terry from Pee Wee's playhouse. Uh, got lost somewhere. <laughs> just floating around. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Trying not to touch your microphone. Yeah, no fair. I want to gently like rest my forehead. (laughs) The obvious choice, so I'm not going to spend much time on it, but it seems kind of obvious to incorporate Firefly into Titan AE. Fair enough. Uh, You could even have Titan AE as a prequel to Firefly, where this is Mm. when, you know, 
uh, Earth died and they went to find new planets. And this mm-hmm. was the first terraformed planet before they formed the rest of the, the system. Like, that would make sense. I that, mean, it would make complete sense. And they just don't talk about the dredge anymore because, I don't know. Well, they destroy can, the dredge. Like, they use the dredge for the energy, which is how, exactly how they... most of the humans even make it to the system. So, yeah, yeah you know. Of course, they also talk about no aliens existing, where aliens are like serving them weird, like mush. After humans sucked an alien race that was deemed to be the most powerful in the universe and used them as fodder to create planets, wouldn't you say the fuck away? That's true. That is true. <laughs> that is true. So, uh, Firefly is the obvious choice. Uh, the other one that I think I would like to see is that if they accidentally terraformed LV two forty six from Alien, and oh. that was like the the sequel to Oh my god uh, to. Uh, to Titan AE is where the, it's just like, oh, we terraformed the planet, uh, but not the xenomorphs. And then their new happy, happy Earth for as the humans are showing up to colonize are getting fucking wrecked by xenomorphs. Oh, my God. That would be. I don't like to watch the slaughter of my own species, but that would be great. That would be pretty good. It <laughs> would be pretty be good. Pretty great. Yeah. So at this point, uh, we're going to go over our trailers for our versions whether it be that you can do the funny version or you can do the serious version of your trailer and uh we'll pick out the music here and then basically you do as long or as short a trailer voice thing as you want and uh and then then we get to go away then we're then we're done so (laughs) and you're finally rid of me no no this has been an absolute fucking blast so let me get the music together and uh did you want to go first or did you want to go second um I'll go second. I most wanna, most yeah. first timers go second. So yeah, I want to I want to hear your example. All right, let let me get the music together. Okay. All right, here we go. I'm going to do the Paul Verhoeven, my funny uh, version of Titan AE, the live action film uh, remade from the 2000 animated cult classic. And here we go. Earth has been destroyed. (laughs) Mankind has been scattered across the galaxy. And it is up to one orphan son to save all of humanity. This spring, Liam Hemsworth saves the fucking human race. (laughs) Directed by Paul Verhoeven, known for Total Recall, Robocop, and Starship Troopers brings you a tale of humanity's fight for survival among the stars. Meet Corso, a space pirate that takes Kale Tucker under his arm and guides him to the Titan, humanity's last hope at terraforming the world and saving humanity, along with Goon, played by Shoto Copley, Creed by Mike Strong, and Stiff by Michelle Rodriguez. Kale Tucker tries to save the human race and get a little nookie from Akima, played by Runimura, at the same time. This summer, watch as the Dredge try to destroy any lingering chance that humanity might destroy them. This spring, save humanity, Starship Titan. (laughs) 
I told you it didn't have to be good. That was fucking terrible. I had no, I just kept saying the same words and over, over over and over again because I had no idea what to fucking do. So, your bar is so goddamn low at this point. Oh, so well. You can step over it if you want to. So, um, what do you think? Would you see that film? I would probably not, and I did it. So, um, I mean, I wouldn't release that on the trailer. But overall, what you described to me, I would watch that film because humanity's in danger just over and over again. <laughs> Man, there's a lot of danger. Yeah, there. There's so he much must, danger. He must be so serious. He said danger like four times. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to you, the live action version of this has at least 300% more danger than the animated version. Oh, that's a really good deal. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm, for the same price. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. That's unbelievable. Act Adjusted now. for inflation. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Call this number. <laughs> for so much danger. <laughs> the QVC Movie Network. <laughs> All right. Um, so you're going to be doing your, uh, your funny uh, no, I think I'm going to do my my serious, serious? one because I'm going to do um, my Ridley Scott casting. Okay. Right. Um, <clears throat> Are you ready? As ready as you'll ever be? As ready as I'm going to be. All right, here we go. <laughs> okay. It's been years since the Earth was destroyed. Kale Tucker sits alone in space, played by Chris Hemsworth. Disillusioned, lost, hopeless. Rescued by Captain Joseph Corso against his will, Kale learns that he is the only person who can save the human race. Watch as he, Corso, Akima, played by Lizzie Kaplan, Preed, played by Chris Pratt, and the intrepid goon and stiff, played by Patton Oswald and Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza, take on the greatest terror the Earth has ever known. After its destruction. (laughs) 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 The most successful terror the earth has ever known. (laughs) Watch them face off against the dredge this fall. After Earth, the Titan Project. That's terrible. God. You said that the bar was set low, but, you know, I just figured maybe instead of, like, trying to go over it, I'd run straight into it. I like <laughs> After Earth, the Titan Project sounds like a Bravo show. <laughs> like, <laughs> Let's see like, what we can do with this leftover DNA. <laughs> let's see. You know, the human race is good and all, but I think we can do something with it and just... Okay, so I see that what they've got on the walls here, if they've just got vile after vile, and there's no style, there's no sunlight, so we're just going to shush it up a bit. We're going to terraform I'm, this business into we, a very workable space. I, <laughs> I like that our immediate version of this was to go Fab Five. Fab Five. We went hell. We went five. We went Titan AE the Fab Five. <laughs> I appreciate that. And on that note, uh, we're going to end this episode. Thank you guys so much for sticking around for a uh, slightly long episode of Smack My Pitch Up. I think it was well worth it, though. Um, This was an absolutely fantastic time. And if you enjoyed this, then definitely enjoy some uh, Geeks Under the Influence Network stuff that's happening this week. On August 16th at Strange Ways Brewing Company, we've got the Beautiful Disasters B-Movie Night. I know. Unfortunately, Murphy is having her own little event, which you can absolutely plug. Awesome. Thank you. So um, 
my birthday is actually Friday the 17th, and I am throwing a 30th birthday show at Fallout RVA on August 16th called Murphy Lawless's Totally Lawful Birthday Bash, because I'm a dork. Um, it's an ABC-compliant burlesque and variety show, um, so it just means that we have to have creative ways of getting around stripping while there's liquor around, because Virginia is a bunch of jerks, um, but there's going to be burlesque, there's going to be comedy, there's going to be singing, and uh, one of my favorite human beings is a strong man from uh, Philadelphia, and he will be joining us as well that is fantastic yes so there there are two events on thursday which means you are not allowed to stay home on thursday you You have to go to one or the other both of which are are definitely endorsed by geeks under the influence we've got beautiful disastrous b movie night which is vigilante odd couple is our theme for this week i wish i could go to that that's the thing like we're just too busy for for us to be able to go to each other's things Uh, and then uh, Murphy Lawless's birthday bash at Yay. Fallout, also on Thursday as mm-hmm. well. So information will be in the notes of this episode and also at GYPodcast.com, where you can also find links to all of our social media and also all of our other podcasts on the GUI network, which also includes Geeks Under the Influence, Beautiful Disasters, Smack My Pitch Up, Quite Contrary, GUI Precap, uh, Smash Talk, uh, Geek Fathers. And I really hope I didn't leave anybody out, but I probably did. And uh, that's about it. Oh, also, August 19th. How could I forget? Speaking of Paul Verhoeven, we've got GUI Live Starship Troopers Geekified. That's right. If you have ever been to a screening of Rocky Horror Picture Show where they throw rice and they scream at the screen and they dance around and they interact with the movie as it happens, we have our own version called Geekified where we have an interactive event with a cult movie classic and this time it is starship troopers that movie that makes you root for fascists uh we're gonna do our best to make sure you make fascism the most fun it's ever been in the history of mankind great selling point (laughs) i thought it was pretty solid (laughs) come out to fallout rva on 18th street in shaco bottom from uh seven to ten i think is is the showing time it is free and you do not need to be a member of fallout in order to attend the event i would suggest if you do have a nerf gun that takes nerf darts please bring that along with you you do not necessarily need the darts but you need the gun so uh bring that along and also uh a lot of uh room for booze and food and laughs because this is going to get silly really goddamn quick so uh, it's going to be fucking amazing so you can find all of our other events and uh, trivia nights and other podcasts everything at GYPodcast.com and we'll see you here guys next time next week for another episode of Smack My Pitch Up I'm Mike the Hobbit Pickett and you just got Pitch Smack GUIPodcast.com Everybody's talking about the Space Force. It's in the news everywhere. Well, we decided in honor of America's future in the Space Force, we are rocking another geekified movie night at Fallout. August 19th, we are doing Starship Troopers. That's right. That cult classic is coming to Fallout with our own special brand of interactive fun to go along with it. If you haven't come to a Geekified movie night before, trust me, you do not want to miss this. We give it kind of the Rocky Horror treatment with all sorts of contests and trivia and reenactments, stage readings, and plenty more. So come out August 19th for Starship Troopers Geekified. Find more information at GYPodcast.com.
This is Mike the Hobbit, direct from Fallout on a trivia night, telling you to come here every first and third Monday for trivia between 8 and 10, 25-cent wings, drink specials, prizes, and tons of really inappropriate trivia. It's a lot of fun. Do you guys agree? Definitely come out and enjoy trivia every first and third Monday at Fallout.